0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome into Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. Sitting here on this beautiful Monday morning, a victory Monday as Washington. Took down the Jacksonville Jaguars 28 22 in week one yesterday at FedEx Field to open up this season. Now, before we get into today's episode, as always, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline to continue to be the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the upcoming season of the NBA and NHL. Esports, golf, and of course, all of your college football and NFL betting needs. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. So head on over to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code believe 50 that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Battle line, where the game starts. All right, let's get in to today's episode. I am, I'm pumped up, I'm juiced up, I'm excited. I'm sure you guys are after watching Washington, again, 28-22 over Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, Brandon Sheriff, Christian Kirk, Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was in doubt, right? As we move into that second half yesterday, there were some questions, obviously coming from under center and some of the decision making that, Carson Wentz showcased something that has been worrisome throughout his entire career, and we obviously were curious to see when he got into the tight moments of yesterday's game. A couple of those moments in the second half, we threw those two interceptions on consecutive series, those were potential backbreaking moments, and those cannot happen as Washington moves down the line and plays better teams like the Eagles twice. They play the Titans. They play the Colts. Those are teams that are better teams in this league if they're playing down the road. And turnovers like that in the second half, giving the Jaguars points where they scored 19 unanswered after Washington was up 14-3 at half. It can't happen. However, it was never in doubt. 28-22, Carson Wentz, 313 yards through the air, four touchdowns compared to two picks, 27 for 41 through the air. So they were obviously comfortable with him slinging around. He threw it for 40 times in that ball game Antonio Gibson 14 attempts 58 yards on the ground was also heavily involved in the passing game that's something to follow as we move down the line we've talked about Antonio Gibson a ton as far as his comfortability in space the comfortability that he showed at Memphis as a wide receiver slash running back but he was a wide receiver first in college targeted eight times seven catches 72 yards did not get in the end zone, but it was extremely, extremely productive. Had over 100 yards from scrimmage in his debut, the 2022 season, and a year to where, if it wasn't for the unfortunate events surrounding Brian Robinson, that B-Rod would have been starting, Antonio Gibson would have gotten, you know, played second fiddle to Robinson off of the bench. But Antonio Gibson, at least for this week against Jacksonville, now we're not facing the Chiefs, the Chargers. You know, the elites of the league, the Rams, the Buccaneers. We're not there yet. Take it with a grain of salt. It was the Jacksonville Jaguars. However, there were a lot of positives. And this is all, again, NFL bodies. And the Jaguars had a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. And they showcased that a little bit, creating some turnovers, getting after the quarterback, a little bit, showing some different unique looks. We saw some pop plays from number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker, that we talked about earlier in the week, an interception, a sack. That's all you ask for. If you're Doug Peterson and GM Trent Baalke, you have to use the number one pick on Trayvon Walker. So he's another name that I'm extremely excited to follow this fall. But let's kind of tailor back to Washington and this offensive workload because I want to talk about the guys on the outside. Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin. We saw that Scott Turner, offensive coordinator, wanted to get Jahan involved early. First attempt from scrimmage was a Jahan Dotson deep, wanted to get number one involved heavily. And that was a sign of things to come. Five targets, three catches, 40 yards, two touchdowns. Now, if you're a box score scout, and you look at that, and you didn't watch the game, you're gonna say, oh, what was so impressive about Jahan Dotson? Well, actually watch the game, and turn on the film, turn on the tape, watch the game over again, and you watch how Jahan created it on the outside. I just sent out a tweet on my Twitter. If you don't follow me already, it's underscore Ryan Fowler. Looking at Jahan Dotson's route running ability, on his touchdown catch in the first half, Working over Shaquille Griffin, and the ability that he showed to create separation, both at the top of his stem, and then coming in to that stem, and how he's able to use head fakes, crossovers, his footwork, his hands. A lot of the time, you look at receivers and their ability to create separation, and you look at Devonte Adams, Stephon Diggs, the poster childs of route running in this in the in the NFL, and you just think about the NBA's top point guards Kyrie Irving you look back to Allen Iverson take the ball out of their hands you look at the receivers and how they create separation off the line of scrimmage it's basically like a point guard crossing over somebody dribbling making people miss juking them you know in and outs whatever you want to do all of that at the receiver position is something that may come down the line for a lot of guys Terry McLaurin had it early in his career you look at Jahan yesterday he was extremely impressive Shaquille Griffin is a veteran in this league been in Seattle for a while, now in Jacksonville. He's seen a lot of receivers in his day. I'm not going to say he's one of the top corners in the league. But again, all these guys are in the NFL for a reason. And he's starting for a reason. For Jahan to come in in his first NFL game, two touchdown catches, two of his three catches to go for touchdowns. That's outstanding. And what else could you ask more of for the rookie to get his feet wet right away? at the NFL level. And really, you look at Terry McLaurin on the opposite side, who obviously draws all the attention from the defensive secondary. He had one target as we worked into the fourth quarter, but ended up with two catches, 58 yards, and a touchdown. Do I want to see more work from Terry McLaurin and more involved in the game plan? Absolutely. However, that goes hand in hand with what defenses are doing to counter number 17. Yesterday, it looked like they were bracketing him a lot. They were playing a lot of Zone as far as five to seven yards off the line of scrimmage and passing him off to that high safety whether it was Andre Cisco whether it was Shaquille Griffin whether it was Ty- when Tyson Campbell was guarding him there they had threw a lot of different looks at Washington yesterday to try to get Terry McLaurin involved but all it takes is one play and we saw Terry take the top off with that 49 yard hookup with Carson Wentz to bring the score to 22-20 Jacksonville at the time in that fourth quarter, it was a massive play. It was a momentum swinging play. And Terry McLaurin, again, I want him more involved. I need him more involved on the outside, but that's to come. It's what defenses are going to do, what we're going to see a lot this year with how number 17 has proven himself dealing with the below average quarterbacks in Washington in his first few seasons in D.C. But I've just been extremely impressed yesterday with Dehan, Dotson, McLaurin, and Curtis Samuel and I want to start with Curtis and someone that was extremely, extremely impressive. Someone that had eleven targets. First off, eleven targets. I thought that would made have gone to Logan Thomas. We saw John Bates out there yesterday. We saw Marney Rogers had a twenty-three yard reception in that first quarter. Eleven targets, eight catches, fifty-five yards, and a touchdown. Now, I want him to take care of the football first and foremost. That turnover in the second quarter. Basically, took points off the board. Now, we're not going to kind of play hypotheticals and say Washington would have scored on that drive or got three points on that drive. The guy take care of the football. But Curtis Samuel was good yesterday. This is the first glimpse we had of a fully healthy look like Curtis Samuel and someone that is explosive both in the slot, on orbit motion, outside, whether they want to work opposite of Terry McLaurin. They throw Jahan in the slot a little bit. I liked what I saw from Curtis Samuel. And if those three are able to continue to play like they did yesterday, create space, make things easy for Carson Wentz, whether he's targeting the intermediate areas of the offense or he's taking those shots to Dotson McLaurin down the field, everything opens up if those three are on the field and they're healthy. And I'm extremely excited to watch these three progress down the line because they are a nice tandem an arsenal of weapons for Carson Wentz. And he's talked about it. It might be the the fastest, most talented group that he's ever played with under center. And that's saying a lot coming from when he was in Philadelphia playing with talents like Zach Ertz and Alshon Jeffrey. And he had Miles Sanders in the backfield. That was a talented group. Dallas Goddard at tight end as well. It's a talented group in Philadelphia. Now he's in Washington. He's got Logan Thomas at tight end who had three catches for 45 yards on six targets. He targeted J.D. McKissick three catches, 20 yards. He targeted a lot of guys. All right. And this is why I'm looking at Carson and his progression moving forward into the Detroit game and more so the Philadelphia game, because the playbook has to continue to expand. This is the first week that teams now have film on guys like Jahan Dotson and really Curtis Samuel in this offense. So, Team's going to watch it. Team's going to game plan for guys like Jahan. He continues to put up numbers like he did yesterday. Teams are going to counter it. But how does Washington counter back? How does Scott Turner expand his playbook, make Carson Wentz even more comfortable under center of the line? Did a good job yesterday. They allowed one sack. That was obviously Trayvon Walker in that first half. So I, I was just impressed with the offense. I know the mistakes in that second half were... We're nerve-wracking for you guys. It's never easy, it seems like, over the years. Never just have a, a win where he cruise to victory. We saw yesterday like a, the, the Chiefs blowing out the Cardinals to the tune of a 44-21 win for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs after all the talk that we had about is Patrick Mahomes going to be all right with Tyreek Hill in Miami. Well, it's easy again for the Chiefs this year. But it's never easy in D.C. And that's the way we like it, right? That's why we come back every single year. Every Sunday, every Monday, every Thursday, Saturday, whatever day the Commanders are playing. And we watch. And we live and die by this football team. But today is a 1-0 day. It's a victory Monday. Today is great. But now it's on to the Detroit Lions. But before I talk a little bit about Detroit, and more so in the podcast that I'll have out for you guys on Thursday, I deep dive into that Detroit Lions roster and a team that lost 38-35 to the Philadelphia Eagles in week one yesterday. Let's talk about the defense a little bit. And Derek Forrest. First of round of applause for Derek Forrest. I was extremely impressed with Derek Forrest yesterday. We know that Cam Curl was out. That's a massive loss. When Cam Curl is healthy, he will be back and starting next to Bobby McCain. But Derek Forrest, these are guys that you have to have step up. Washington used draft picks on Forrest and Percy Butler to play rotationally at the second and third level. Forrest was looked at, at that Buffalo Nick a little bit, a little bit of a bigger body. When he was at Cincinnati, he played in the box. He roamed back at the roof of the defense. He was all over the place yesterday. All over the place. Had an interception, blew up Travis Etienne, made plays in the back of the end zone on that two-point conversion early in the first half, block, uh, batting away a pass. Derek Forrest was extremely... <laughs> ext- I just... I really don't have enough adjectives to describe the performance from Derek yesterday, he was everywhere. And what I love best about him is as that safety, you want a guy that has that brings that culture, that pop, that violence behind his pads in the safety's room. And Bobby Kane does a little bit of it. He's more that veteran presence. But Derek Forrest just flies around. And he's not just flying around like Le'Ron Landry back in the day used to do where he really doesn't understand what he's looking at from a coverage standpoint. Derek Forrest does. And he understands how to make cl- pay, make plays at the catch point. Be physical when guys are going up for passes. Or he's coming downhill making plays like he did blowing up Travis Etienne near the sideline. I love what I saw from number 22 yesterday. And something to build on whether he continues to start. and I mean, it depends on how long Cam Curl is out. Whether he goes back to being a core special teamer and then works as a rotational guy on defense. But after his performance yesterday, how do you not continue to put him on the field? Absolutely all over the place and a tip of the cap. To Derek Forrest in his week one performance Because I absolutely loved what I saw From the former fifth rounder Now, I know this podcast As of right now, this episode has been a lot of positives But I do have to address the negatives And that is Kendall Fuller I don't know what to do With Kendall Fuller On the outside Again, I always talk about this His first stint in Washington came Working in the slot He's over the nickel He's got quick feet good hands, but this was years ago. Went to Kansas City, now he's back in D.C., starting opposite of William Jackson as that second starting corner on the outside. Benjamin St. Just obviously worked over the nickel. Yesterday, I just need to see more from Kendall Fuller. I, I, whether he's in zone, whether he's in man, I, I just, when Washington begins to face these receivers and these teams that are better, specifically even next week with Detroit, Guys like Amonra St. Brown. They get TJ Hawkinson at tight end. They like to flex him out a little bit. These are going to be better receiving teams. Philadelphia Week Three AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Quez Watkins, Zach Pascal. They got Dallas Goddard at tight end. They like to flex out and do some unique things with Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell. Ken- Kendall Fuller has to be relied upon on the outside. I don't trust him in space as a tackler. I don't trust him in one-on-one scenarios against these six foot six one uh X wideouts that can run four three, four, four. I just don't. We saw Christian Kirk record over hundred yards yesterday. Now, was it was it back breaking? No, he didn't get in the end zone. It was just a lot of numbers, was targeted 12 times. Zay Jones, six catches for 65 yards. They brought him over from Las Vegas to have that impact. Kendall Fuller, it, my biggest thing is just down the road. They're going to face better offenses, better quarterbacks better offensive lines to give that quarterback time and better receivers in understanding how to create space. And Washington, a lot yesterday, gave up a lot of space, a lot of timing routes from Jacksonville that we saw, especially in that second half where they're just moving down the field, third and eight, third and nine, driving down the field. I mean, granted, Jacksonville was three for 12 on third down, so a tip of the cap to Washington's defense overall. But I'm just microscoping and bringing in the lens right now on Kendall Fuller, and I just have my worries on the outside for when they face better receivers and better teams. I need to see more from Kendall Fuller. From there, I wanna talk a little bit about the defensive line and specifically the interior with Fedarian Mathis going down in that first half. And I'm extremely worried as far as the timetable for him. We just, we know that Chase Young is out for at least three more games. And if Mathis right now and Rivera saying yesterday that he's quote, concerned about Fedarian's injury, This is a problem on the interior. You have John Allen. You have Deron Payne. I get that. Those guys were excellent yesterday. Again, Deron Payne batting down passes, pushing the pocket. John Allen being John Allen, recorded a sack yesterday, including three tackles. If Faderian Mathis isn't able to go, it's Daniel Wise, and that's it. Rotationally, that's three guys. And you look right now at the free agent market for guys that are unemployed and looking for jobs within that, you know, within the trenches, they can come in potentially and provide some pop. It's not great. The names are not great. Now, from a wide lens, you look at names like Nadamagin Sue, Linville Joseph, Brandon Williams, Larry Joby, even down to guys like Malik Jackson and Sheldon Richardson obviously the headliners in Ndamukong Sue at 35 years old who was just with Tampa on their Super Bowl run a few years ago I'm I'm just extremely concerned because John Allen is John Allen and Payne is Payne but you have to have that rotational depth in the interior and we just saw this offseason Washington lose Matt Ainitis and Tim Settle and we saw Tim play extremely well for the Bills in their Thursday night blowout of the Los Angeles Rams but if Phil Mathis is going to have to miss an extended period of time, whether that's three games or whether that's six to eight, nine games, which would be terrible because he did flash in the preseason. And he was looked upon as someone that's going to play a ton of snaps. I don't know how much versatility Washington's big ends, if you will, in guys like William Bradley King, James Smith Williams, or Casey Tuhill, I, I think is going to stay in the outside because he's a little bit, He's lighter in the pants. I don't think he's going to be able to slide in and play some 1-3 tech like Payne and Allen do. F.A. Obata is a bigger body, but you're going to be playing 265-pound guys at d tackle. That's just not going to work. It's just not. So I would not be surprised if we hear news of Phil Mathis. Now, again, granted, I've heard nothing yet. As far as news from out of Ashburn, I'm sitting here early on Monday morning getting this out for you guys, and the timetable has not been released on Phil, but... I would not be surprised if if general manager Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera make a move for a veteran. Again, the names aren't great, but there's been a lot of guys even looking at this list. A star, Lou Tulele, who's played with Buffalo for a while, had an impact. Remember him coming out of school, Utah, years ago. Someone that can push the pocket a little bit and even just clog some gaps. Maybe you don't want somebody right away that wants to push the pocket like you expected Fedarian to do, as we saw what he did at Alabama and had some sack production. But if you need somebody that is a veteran in this league and is going to be able to learn the defensive playbook quickly and just be able to plug gaps in the A and B gaps, once he gets on the field, then maybe one of those guys like Lutelele or Linville Joseph or Brandon Williams will be able to do that. But I just, it's scary within the interior because they really do not have a lot of bodies right now. And if they lose a second round pick for an extended amount of time, that's never a good thing, especially at a position of need. So that's going to do it for today's podcast. Again, I will have a podcast out for you guys on Thursday. A full preview of Jared Goff, DeAndre Swift, we're going to get into as far as his impact, how Washington can limit him. He ran wild all over the Philadelphia Eagles front seven that we obviously expected to be extremely good this year. Um, Amandre St. Brown that I talked about on the outside, Aiden Hutchinson looking for a bounce back game. He kind of looked disinvolved a little bit uh, against Philadelphia, but want to turn on the tape of their game, watch that film over again, see his impact beyond the box score. They have talent at all three levels of their defense. Malcolm Rodriguez is a sleeper linebacker that they drafted out of Oklahoma State that has a lot of talent. They got Jeff Okuda, a former top five pick, out on the perimeter. And again, they are led by Dan Campbell and a general manager in Brad Holmes that came over from the Rams a few seasons ago. And they're a team that competes every single week. Nothing will be easy against the Detroit Lions. We even saw it this week against Philadelphia. I mean, they were down in that game. They were down 31-14 in that third quarter. They lost 38-35. They don't quit. Monter St. Brown caught a pass from Jared Goff. Jamal Williams ran it in. DJ Chark had a touchdown catch from Jared Goff. They do not quit. And nothing will be easy next week when Washington travels to Detroit to face against Dan Campbell in the 0-1-1 right now Detroit Lions. So again, as always, thank you for tuning in. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. All my written work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com. We just recently have posted an article on Jahan Dotson that I recently wrote yesterday, kind of recapping his day and what to look forward to with him and Terry McLaurin on the outside. For the Commanders, you can follow me on Twitter, underscore Ryan Fowler. And as always, appreciate you guys tuning in, leave a like, share, review, subscribe. Again, a podcast will be out for you guys on Thursday. Full preview of the Detroit Lions-Washington Commanders week two at Ford Field in Detroit. So enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy Monday Night Football, Russell Wilson's return to Seattle. We got the Broncos and Seahawks. I'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'm Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is